appreciate the opportunity once again to stand before you, bring a lesson. Uh, brother that was supposed to be here, Barry Lee, uh, his son has ended up with COVID, so I guess in, in quarantine, unable to be with us. And we're sorry about that and hope that he's uh, better quickly and, uh, and appreciate them. And maybe he can come and preach for us again in the future. I tried this sermon out on Nancy yesterday. I don't know, in class we were talking about respect to the weaker vessel. And uh, I don't know if that's considered abuse that she went through yesterday or not, but it, it'll probably turn out okay. I wanted to speak to you today concerning things that we cannot choose. Um, we make a lot of choices in our lives. God, in fact, created us with the ability to reason, to think, to discern, um, and therefore to choose. He put us, as far as mankind, over the earth, over all the animals, the things that are in the earth. And in fact, he made us in his image. If he had not, he could have made us like the animals that basically live the way God programmed them, survival, procreation, um, to eat, to drink, to sleep, to procreate, to repeat. But God didn't do that for us. He created us in his image and he gave us minds that we can think with, that we can determine what he has said about things, right, wrong, good versus evil. We can make choices on our own. The animals, a cat is a cat. A cat does what a cat does. What does a cat do? Well, he hunts, he sleeps, they're lazy, he eats, wants to have kittens, repeat. I've heard tell, I'm not an expert on cows, but I've heard tell that cows, um, and I do know that they have very tiny brains, but that, that a certain point there were cows in a blizzard, the barn was right next to them, there was a blizzard, but they didn't have sense enough to go into the barn and save themselves, and they stood there and froze. Cows are basically food for humankind across the earth. God made them that way in his wisdom. And we appreciate that. We also appreciate the way he made us as well. And every day we are faced with choices. Some of them easy choices. Um, some of them not so easy. My clicker is not working. There we go. It's not on, but it's working. There are choices we make on a daily basis, mundane choices, choices that really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. What time are we going to get up? What are we going to have for breakfast? Are we taking a shower an hour or later? What are we going to have for supper? Do we have to go shopping today? Do we have to go to the grocery? Choices that we make day in, day out, over and over and over to the point to where we don't even realize we're actually choosing. We just do it. We just do it as we're programmed. But there's choices also that we make in life that we may only make once in life or more. Where to go to school? What am I going to do with my life as far as a vocation or a career? Am I going to get married? Who would I marry? What about children? Am I going to have children? Do I want children? How many children? Where are we going to live? Life choices of this nature aren't made on a day-to-day -day basis. They're more seldom in our lives. But there's also a choice that we as accountable adults 
And I do say accountable because the gospel is given to mankind based on our understanding of what he gave us. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. In order for us to believe, we have to be able to comprehend and to understand. And there are people that can't. But on a daily basis, accountable adults make the decision of whom do I serve today? Do I want to serve God today? Do I want to serve myself today and the world? In fact, God has legislated and, and told us, revealed to us that heaven and hell are the only two eternal choices that we have. There is, in fact, no purgatory after death, a place of second chances, as some people teach. Now, I don't know that of anybody that wants to go to hell. Ah, that one's working. But most people live on that road that leads them to that eternal destination. And if you think about it, you know, a bumbling, fumbling drunk lying there in the alley, he can find his way to hell because he doesn't have to do anything to get there. Nothing. You don't have to do anything to get to hell. Heaven, on the other hand, takes some work, doesn't it? But what about choices that we can't make of a physical nature? For example, who my parents are. Where was I born? When was I born? What race? What language? What gender am I? Was I born at all? In Job chapter 3, verse 3, Job understands and realizes that, that he was born, that he lived and did live at that time. And therefore that he, just as we are responsible for our actions, we are responsible for the choices that we can make in this life. But there are choices we can't make, also of a spiritual nature, and that's the ones I want to look at today with you for just a moment. Four points. First, can I be neutral about Jesus? Do I have the choice to ever be neutral about the name Jesus? A lot of people think they have that choice. They really do, millions in fact. Um, they try that very thing. They think that they can choose not to make a decision about Jesus. They choose to go through their lives and just bury their heads in the sand or pretend that he doesn't exist or did not exist on the earth. And they never think and come to realize to seek him, so they just pretend throughout their lives that he's not there. And therefore what? Therefore they can escape the judgment they assume that everything's okay. They, they assume that either, well, he either didn't exist or he was a prophet or a good fella, or I'm just going to opt out of reality. I'm going to opt out of the judgment because I can make that choice. Really, we can't, can we? The Bible says that we're either with the Lord or against him. We don't have the choice to just ignore him and put him, put him aside as non-reality and take a neutral position on Jesus. Matthew 12 30, the Bible says, He that is not with me is against me. That is, in fact, the only two positions we can have. John 12 48, the law that the Lord brought with him to the earth is the law that's going to judge each and every one of us in the last day. Second Thessalonians 1 8 and 9, the Bible there says, the end of ignorance 
is an eternity in hell. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, those that receive not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and obey that have something in store for them, but it's not going to be pleasant. Verse 8 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's people that pretend that it's not going to happen. People that put it out of their lives and they find out far too late at death that they were wrong. Pilate tried to be neutral when Jesus was at the trial, didn't he? Didn't Pilate, he washed his hands and said, See ye to it, talking to the Jews that wanted to crucify him. He pretended that he was innocent in that case, so he washed his hands and said, Well, you all see to it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And yet, in essence, he handed him over to them. So he was guilty as well. But he thought and took the position of neutrality, or at least he thought he did. But none of us can do that. Secondly, things we cannot choose, even though millions try. We cannot choose what sin actually is. The definition of sin is a violation of the law, 1 John 3, 4. The law comes from God. God is ultimate and supreme authority. John 17, 17, whatever God says is called truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 13, the Bible that we have is God's revealed word. They are in fact the words of God and not man. And 1 Peter 1.25 says that God's words will stand forever, unchanged. That's the reality that we live in. A lot of people want to ignore reality. They think that they can choose what sin is defined as in our lives. And therefore we see a lot of these things. Things that are made legal and yet they are not lawful. Just the way John lost his head. The wife you have is not lawful that you should have your brother's wife. Is what he told Herod. And he lost his head for it. It was legal. He did it. But it wasn't lawful. God chooses evil. God chooses righteousness. Only he can establish law. And we cannot serve both. As pointed out in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Speaking about serving the two masters. We can't do it. We'll either love the one and hate the other or cleave to one or hold to one and despise the other. We cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. Mammon being money or the world or self. God's instructions to us as His people to abhor evil, which is to hate it, eschew it, to turn away from it, and to cleave to that which is good. But he defines what is good and acceptable behavior. He defines what is sin. Isaiah 520, the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. There are a lot of people in our society that want to determine what sin is. And if they change their minds, which they do often, they expect the masses around them to just blindly accept that decision. But at the same time, we have God's word that never changes. Whatever he's legislated on, whether it be things of a moral nature, a religious nature, 
anything that he says is truth and it's not going to change. That's what the haters of God hate is the fact that his word never changes. Divorces for any cause are legal in our society, aren't they? Homosexual marriages are legal in our society. People can lie, steal, cheat. They can hate God. And these are all legal things to do. They can gamble, drink alcohol. And yet God has said, it's not lawful to do these things. Man wants to change God's law and can't. We don't have the choice to decide for ourselves what good and evil is. God is the standard. He is primary authority. He has given us the Bible, which is his word. We are to eschew or turn from evil and cleave to that which is good. He decides what that is. Moving on, it is impossible for us as mankind to choose the consequences of our life choices. We get to make a lot of choices in our lives, but how many times do we get to control the outcome, the consequence of our actions? God is. God created, created us and gave us brains to think with, mind. He legislated sin versus righteousness. Man is subject to all of this. Think about the law of gravity. If you, you can decide if you want to to jump off a 10-story building. And it, I could tell you it would be a bad decision to make if you didn't have a parachute or wings. But a person can decide to jump off a building. But what's going to happen if they do? Well, they're going to fall. Now, I, I saw in a movie, and it was kind of funny. It said the guy jumped off a 10-story building, and the, the other fellow asked him how he was doing. He was only at the fifth floor. And he said, well, so far, so good. But the ground was coming, and he couldn't control what was about to happen next. It's the same with our lives. We choose our own actions. We choose God's law or my own law. We choose God's ways or my own ways. We get to make those choices, but we cannot choose the consequences of our actions. There are millions of people in our world that are living a life that takes them straight to hell because they're not doing what God said. And yet, they expect God in their lives. What, at the very end, maybe on their deathbeds, they've lived a life of wickedness, and yet they want to reach their hand up at the last moment and say, God, I'm ready to go to heaven now. Save me. We don't get to control the consequences of our actions. Acts 10.34, God is the judge. And he does not respect any person. There are a lot of people in our society that have fame. They're rich. They have wealth. They expect and are treated differently in our society. But God says he's going to treat everybody the same. Because we're all after the same prize. The prize of heaven. We all have to do the same thing to receive that blessing. Which is obedience. There's a day coming for our judgment but he's the judge, not me, not you. We don't get to live any life we choose and then decide that I should be allowed to go into heaven. Romans 2.6 God is the judge and he will judge us all fairly. 
over in the book of Acts, chapter 17, where Paul is dealing with the Athenians. In verse 30, when he's talking about repentance, after he'd finished his sermon to them, there at Mars Hill, he says in verse 30, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, which is Christ, whereof he hath given assurance unto all in that he hath raised him from the dead. Christ, the firstfruits of those that rose from the dead, never to see death again. He overcame death because he's God. He has all authority in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28, 18. He has all authority over all things to the church because God the Father put him in that position. He is the judge. Our only choice, realistically, is to choose to follow him and serve him faithfully or not. That's our choice. We don't get to live any way we choose and decide the outcome before we get there. The scriptures have a lot of examples of people that, that sinned in the Bible. And in the age of miracles, God called them on that sin. And it cost them their lives physically as well as their souls. Adam and Eve chose to sin in the garden. They didn't have any control over the punishments that followed. Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10, chose to use strange fire, unauthorized fire in their sacrifices. They didn't have any control of the fire that burned them up. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament church, deciding to sell a piece of land and keep part of it back, but pretend that they gave it all to be used for the needy. They were called on the lie that they told they lied to God. The rich fool of Luke 12, never giving God credit for anything in his life, though he had much. Except he lived in the age of miracles when God said, Thou fool, this night thou soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Who's going to have your stuff now? You're dying tonight. He didn't have control of his future. He thought he did. My name and your name are in that list as well because we've sinned. Romans 3, 23. Every one of us have sinned, which separates us from God. Sin, if we leave it unchecked, unrepented of, uncorrected, sin ends up spiritual death. We know that. We preach about that all the time. But does knowledge of that, knowledge of those things, does that make us think that God's going to make an exception for me on Judgment Day? Myself? You know, I think I'm pretty important. We all look out for number one a lot of the times. Depends on what's happening. We always look out for ourselves. And in our class, our wives as well, and they look out for us. But do we think we can make a decision to change God's Word? And still be in his good graces. Revelation 22, 18, 19 says, No, you can't add to it. You can't take away from it. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, You cannot pervert it in any way. That law protects us as well as judges us, doesn't it? 
The only wise choice we can make is to obey. That's the wise choice. Nobody can change God's nature. Nobody can change His Word. It's fixed, written in stone. Nobody can change the consequences of our actions. Nobody can define sin and change what God has legislated. Nobody can choose their own religion, whereas the New Testament, the religious and moral law that it is, in the book of 2 John, verse 9, look at how many religions are in this world today. Thousands of different religions. 2 John 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But all these religions out there, brethren, think they do have God. They claim to be right, don't they? I don't know of any religion that, that is an organized religion that claims to be false teachers or false doctrines, doctrines that are not the Lord's. But we see in the scriptures that the Lord established only one church, didn't he? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. There's just one choice that God made. That tells us, using our power of reasoning, that the rest of them are false. They don't mean to be. They have good intentions, maybe. But the fact is, they're not the, the doctrine of Christ and cannot expect to have God's blessings. Judgment day is coming. We have to be ready. Whereas all of the examples that we have in Scripture of the people that were not ready, we learn from that. But since we can and choose to ignore Jesus' name, the fact that He lived, the fact that He is Lord and Savior, we can't take a position of neutrality concerning Him. We can't define sin. We can't choose the consequences of our actions. It's also impossible for us as human beings to control the terms by which I can be saved then. It makes sense. It follows the reasoning. Complete obedience is all we can offer God, and that's all that He actually wants from us. Remember the sermon in Acts chapter 17? They had idols for every false god you can think of. And yet Paul told them that the, the real God, the one I'm professing to you, he's not made with hands, you know, some crafty figure of a creature or an animal. That's not what God is. Christ is the only remedy for our sins, the Bible tells us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he in fact was our sin offering. He left heaven as the Son of God, came to earth in the form of a man. For he hath made him to be sin, or a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ is the remedy for our sins. We can't save ourselves. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 talks about that it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Well, verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Only through him can we ever have hope. We can't do it ourselves. 
we rely on him for everything. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put him first in your lives. Obey what he says. Don't try to change it. Pervert it. Take it away. He died for us once for all time. His blood went to the past, the present, and the future. It's good for every human soul. I don't know of any offender of civil law that ever got to pick their own punishment, did they? I mean, people do a lot of things that are wrong and, and violations of the law, but nobody ever gets to violate the law just time and time again and choose their own punishment or to not be punished. In 2 Kings 5, when Naaman had his leprosy and he was told by the prophet's servant what to do to have that leprosy relieved, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He was angry. He liked the rivers of Damascus better. Maybe he wanted some big pomp and circumstance and big show uh, of putting on a presentation and cleansing of his leprosy. That's not what happened. He couldn't dip five times, six times, four times and expect to be cleansed. He had to do exactly what he was told, how he was told, and his leprosy left him. For us and our sins... We obey God in the New Testament law of Christ because that's the law we live under. But it takes complete obedience to that law. Like in James chapter 1 when it's talking about obedience to the law, treating others with or without respect, the fact that if we commit sin, actually James chapter 2, If we have respect to persons talking about that specific sin, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. If we commit murder, we are murderers. We have violated the law. We are worthy of death. If we steal, we have violated the law even though we haven't committed murder. We are still subject to the law and spiritual death. We don't get to choose the terms of our salvation. God has legislated that. vast number of religions around this world claim to be right, but in fact they act like practical atheists, if you will. People that profess to know God, they profess to serve God in all they do, and yet when you look at God's word that he's given us, many of the things they're doing are anti-God, anti-his word. People like that were in the first century as well. Titus chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16, talking about people that would subvert whole houses with, for filthy lucre's sake. In verse 15 says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate or without judgment we don't want to be people without judgment we want to use the choice making ability we have to serve God faithfully 
why would we want to do anything else? If universalism was accurate, and there are a lot of people that believe in universalism, because, and I think it's pretty much because I'm here today, because I was born, I get to go to heaven. When I die, I'm gone to heaven. People make up rules for themselves like this all the time. But when they are anti-God and anti-Bible, how many of them do you think will actually make it to heaven in the judgment if they live their lives based on that theory? Romans 3, 4 says, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Whatever God says is right. If I say something that's anti-God, guess who's wrong 100% of the time? We can't earn heaven by our own works. Titus chapter 3, while we were still there, in verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Christ offered His body on the cross for our sins. It's the only way we can make it to heaven is through Him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said in John 14. He also said he went to prepare a place for us, for every one of us. If we will submit our lives to him and live according to his law, we can have eternal heaven on his terms. But there are decisions that we can't make, though people try to make them. When we come to the end of the matter and the conclusion of the whole thing, what should we do? What's our wise choice? If we know these things, and God's Word says these things, and it's not just me saying it or you saying it, but God has said it, that carries weight, doesn't it? Live every day in subjection to Him, love Him, reverence Him, obey Him because He created us. He gave us the ability to think and reason and discern and choose many things. Choose to serve Him. Choose to love Him. Or choose to hate Him and turn away from Him. Cast Him out of our lives. The Lord said in Luke 6, 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you even attempt to call me Lord, Lord, and acknowledge me if you're not going to do what I say? The invitation of God is always there. The Lord's invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How do we do that? Well, we hear the word. We read the Bible. We understand it. We come to a knowledge of it. We listen to sermons. We study one another. And we come into a, a place of faith. We believe in God and believe that He gave that word and that Christ is our Savior. Hebrews eleven six. We're willing to repent of our sins and turn from our past life. Whatever we're doing wrong to make correction for it. To obey the gospel. To confess Christ with their mouth that He is Lord. Romans 10 verse 9. And then to be buried in baptism for the remission of sins. Rise a new creature. Newness of life. Unblemished from the world from that point forward. Live as a Christian the rest of our lives till death comes for us. That's what we have to do to make it to heaven. That's what God expects out of us is obedience and to live once we come up out of that water to be faithful to Him till death. We make mistakes. Everybody does. Repent and pray. Acts 8 verse 20 through 22. 
That's God's plan for all of us. That's what he wants for us to be saved. All that's left is for us to decide to do that and make the right choice in our lives. Don't pretend to love God. Why not now to take action? If there's anybody here this morning that needs to respond to the Lord's invitation, whether you're a Christian and you've made mistakes or you need to obey the gospel, come now while together we stand and as we sing.